I want to speak to you about a man called Bezalel, a man that we were reading about there, a man filled with the Holy Spirit. And if I have to take a text, it'll be verse 3 of Exodus 31. I have filled him, that's Bezalel, with the Spirit of God, in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. The name Bezalel means in the shadow or under the protection of God. Interestingly, his father was Hur, and he's the man who, along with Aaron, held up the hands of Moses during the conflict with the Amalekites. Now, now that really appeals to me, because it tells us that the blessing of God has flowed down through the generations. Hur was a faithful man, and then we find his grandson filled with the Spirit of God to work in the different items that were required for the construction of the tabernacle. The most important thing about this man, Bezalel, is that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to look at him in the light of that statement in our service. The first thing I want you to see is that he was required to do a specific task. You find it in verse 4 on down to the last verse that we read, verse 11. And there was a lot of skill required, working in gold, in silver, in brass, uh, working with material, working with wood, uh, and uh, constructing everything. The Ark of the Testimony had to be constructed. The covering on that Ark had to be constructed. The brazen altar had to be constructed. Uh, The altar of incense. Uh, And such a task, such a tremendous task required of this man. And we're told that he was to work in all manner of workmanship. How, uh, how uh, committed this man needed to be uh, and what skills he needed in order to perform the task. And you'll see that these were manual and in a sense they were mental tasks because not only had he to do some manual work himself, he had to guide others and teach them, give them instructions on how they were to do the work. He was given by God the necessary skills, and that's important to us. You see, when God asks us to do something, he equips us for it. Uh, He he doesn't, as we say, put a square peg into a round hole. God wants you to do something. God will equip you to do that task. Now, uh, the work was, notice this, the work was what we might call secular work. He wasn't a prophet he wasn't a priest. He was working with his hands, and we might say he was working with his mind. And to do it rightly, he needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We might ask the question, could he not have done it as it's manual work and mental work? Could he not have done it without the infilling of the Holy Spirit? And I will reply emphatically no, emphatically no. And I'll suggest why, but but I'll take a little illustration from the marriage bond. Husband and wife. Supposing that the wife, uh, she's really married to the husband, but she doesn't love him. She does all the tasks that are required of her. There's the husband on the other side. He doesn't love his wife, uh, and he carries out all the duties of a husband, but he doesn't love his wife. What a hollow marriage that would be. How empty. 
how meaningless and how dishonoring to God who has ordained marriage. I was reading an article uh, recently about a man who played cricket for England. Now, most people hate cricket. I love cricket. Uh, Some people would rather watch paint dry than watch cricket. And especially in the longer form, it can take five days to complete uh, what's called a test match in cricket. Uh, And at the end of the day, you might have a draw because rain uh, stops uh, the match from being completed. Well, one man who played for England, he has been married three times. And he was interviewed and he said his mother died when he was 14 and he married his first wife because he wanted someone to cook for him. What an insult. What an insult. And to put that in print and to have his first wife see that, that that's all the reason that he married her. Now I take it over here to Bezalel. Here is a man who has a task to perform and I'm saying to you, He could not have done it without the infilling of the Spirit of God. Remember that this building was a sacred building. It was set apart for God's use. And would God not be insulted if careless work had been done? Or even if it had been done perfectly, but without any love for God, without any desire for God's glory. God's going to fill that house. His presence is going to be there And would he be pleased to come in where a man was not really fully committed to him in the erection of the tabernacle and all the furniture of the tabernacle? And indeed, inside that tabernacle, there would be offerings made that would typify the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Could that be done in any way carelessly? Could it be done in any way thoughtlessly? Or could it be done in any way less than wholeheartedly and with love for God. That's why Bezalel needed to be filled with the Spirit of God. You may remember that when the sons of Aaron, Nadab and Abihu went into the most holy place to offer fire, because they were offering not according to the will of God, not filled with the Spirit of God, fire came down from heaven and destroyed those two young men. And here is something that speaks to you and me. Because the Bible says, if we are Christians, that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. When you're saved, the Spirit of God dwells within you. You have a sacred temple, your body, your eyes to see for God, your hands to work for God, your feet to move for God, your ears to hear for God. And and all your faculties should be devoted to God. What are we told in Romans 12? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Yes, it's only but right. And indeed, the word reasonable there carries the idea of logical. It is logical. That when Christ paid such a great price to save us from our sins and committed himself fully to us in the love of his heart, that we should surrender ourselves to him. For the Christian, all work should be done for the Lord. The work of the housewife. That's a term 
that is looked down on today. A housewife. Why a housewife is a most precious and wonderful person. The work of a laborer. The work that is carried on in a hospital, on a farm, uh, mending the roads, manual work, mental work, training up of children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. No, No matter what work it is, if we are saved, that work is to be done for God. And I'll pick out a little expression, a few verses from Ephesians 5. I won't read them, but servants are told that they are to be obedient to their masters with fear and trembling and singleness of heart, total devotion to their masters, as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart with goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not unto men. Now, why do I emphasize this? The word servants there really means slaves. It's a Greek word, doulos. It's a slave. And here is Paul writing to slaves, and he says, you are to be dedicated in your work. Some of the masters weren't very nice. Some of them were very cruel. Indeed, a master in those days, if someone defrauded him, he would torture the slaves to find out who was it that had defrauded the master. All sorts of cruelty were practiced against slaves, and that has been the case down through the centuries. Well, here is a word to the slaves. Paul says, do your work for your masters with goodwill. Put your whole heart into it. Remember the Lord sees you. You're not doing it for man. You're not doing simply for the master. You're doing it for the Lord. There's not much room There's not much room for self-pity there. Not much room for sin there. And people talk about a holistic approach to health. It means that every aspect of the person's life is taken into consideration, their physical, mental, moral, and indeed their spiritual state. And we need a holistic approach to the things of God, to our service for God. Everything that we do must be subject to the will of God. Indeed, we're told in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31, whatsoever ye do, whether therefore ye eat or drink, Paul says, whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. That's demanding. That's tough. You say, there's times I don't feel like it. There's times when I feel done. There's times when I feel that that I'm being made use of uh, and I'm being walked over and trodden down. How can I do it to the glory of God? How can I put my whole heart into it when I'm being used and in a sense abused? You're not doing it for those people that are nasty to you. You're doing it for someone who really cares for you. Someone who himself took great abuse and far greater abuse than you and I will ever take. You're doing it for The Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior, if you're saved, the Son of God, the one who loved us, the one who gave himself for us, the one who endured contradiction of sinners against himself. He gave all for us. And of course, if I take it to another level, and I think of the missionary on the field or the person who's full-time in the work of God, a minister, 
It almost goes without saying that we need the infilling of the Spirit of God. I prayed much before I came into the pulpit today, praying that God would come down, that God would fill me, that God would touch me, anoint me, and clothe me with the Spirit of God. It's so vital. What good's my message if it's merely my words and I'm just preaching what I've prepared without the help of the Spirit of God? And I come to a second point, and it really follows on, and it's almost part and parcel of the first point. To do the tasks that need to be done, we need, as Bezalel needed to be, we need to be filled, filled with the Holy Spirit. In both chapters 31 of Exodus and 35, we read that Bezalel was filled with the Spirit. That fairly emphasizes the point. Bezalel, you have work to do. You need the infilling of the Spirit of God. And then again, it's repeated. He's filled with the Spirit of God. Now, that takes me into a wider application. It takes me into Ephesians chapter 5. And there is a section in Ephesians chapter 5 that begins at verse 18 and runs right into virtually to the end of Ephesians chapter 6. And in verse 18, it says, Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And in the Greek is in what is called the present continuous imperative. Now you're thinking this is very technical language, but it's very simple when I explain it to you. The imperative gives an order. If I say to you it's imperative, it's imperative that you come to church tonight, that would virtually be an order. Well, the imperative in the Greek gives an order. Present means it's an order for now. Continuous means it's an ongoing order. So it's an order that applies to me today. It applies to me tomorrow. It applies to me the next day. Indeed, every day that I live on this earth. It simply means be filled with the Spirit. Tomorrow, be filled with the Spirit. Tuesday, be filled with the Spirit. Wednesday, be filled with the Spirit. And should I live another 20, 30, 40? Well, you might live much longer. Every day, if you're a Christian, you have a command from God. Be filled with the Spirit I've said it different times. I fear that very few Christians give heed to this. They think it's a bonus, sort of a bonus to be filled with the Spirit. It's not a bonus. It's an order. It's a command of God. And if you're not seeking God to fill you with His Spirit and surrendering your life to Him day by day, then you are, let me put it this way, you are sinning. You are sinning against God. He gives you a command. You say, no, it's a bonus. If I wish to be filled with the Spirit, I'll ask God to fill me with the Spirit, but I'm quite happy as I am. Well, surely you're grieving. You're grieving the Lord in that situation. And what flows from verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 5 is a section that begins with our attitude. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts unto the Lord. See, your whole attitude changes. And, and you'll notice that after 
the command is given, you get a whole lot of words ending in ing. Speaking, singing, submitting, and so on. And those ing words are participles. And they don't make sense standing on their own. Let let me give you an illustration. If I say to you, walking down the street, you look at me puzzled. And you say, walking down the street? So what? What's that all about? But then if I complete the statement, I say, walking down the street, I saw two men engaged in a grievous quarrel. Is that now? It makes sense. It's complete. You needed some more information. Well, these in words, they need more information. And the information is, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And the whole attitude has changed. Your whole attitude when you're filled with the Spirit. Notice it mentions singing. Singing's interesting. You know, people who are happy sing. My mother was saved when she was 60 years of age. But before she was saved, she used to sing. She was a very contented person. She spoilt our family. There were seven of us plus my parents, and she spoilt us all. And she was a very contented person. Very content. She used to sing. And the thing is, I know all the songs that she sang from her childhood, or at least I know many of them. I'm not going to sing them to you. Couldn't even sing the hymns today. I'm not going to sing what she sang, but I can remember them. My grandmother, she at the age of 83, one day was taken very ill and died, and so on. It talks about uh, she was just left the old armchair, and the brothers and sisters, they all laughed at her. And uh, then one day she was fixing everything in the room, and the old armchair fell to pieces, and a hundred thousand pounds fell out on the floor. And the brothers and sisters, they didn't laugh anymore because they'd only got a hundred pounds. But I remember that song. When you're, when you're happy, when you're cheerful, when you're filled with the Spirit of God. And I'm talking about someone who was singing secular songs. She sang the songs of the Lord after she was saved. Well, when you're saved, there's a, a joyfulness, a serenity about you, a contentedness. And after it deals with our attitude, it deals firstly with the wives submitting. And then it mentions, after the last one of the ing words is submitting, and then the word submit comes in for the wives, and then the husband is mentioned in connection with the wife, and the husband is given instruction. And then we come into the home. You have the fathers, the children, they're given instruction. Then we go into the workplace, the servants, the masters. Uh, Then we go out into the field of conflict against the devil. And the section ends with ing words. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Yes, praying in the Spirit again. It's a complete section. And you you see the importance for everyday living, for contentment of spirit, for battling against the devil. You see the importance of being filled with the Holy Ghost. I need to be filled with the Spirit. You need to be filled with the Spirit of God. Think of this. John the Baptist, he was a unique child. Bible says he was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. There's a child, and he's a strange child by the 
power of God. He's strange because he was born saved, we believe. That doesn't happen to anybody else. But he was filled with the Spirit of God, growing up filled with the Spirit of God, going out into the wilderness, attracting huge crowds, crying out for repentance, turning multitudes to the Savior, pointing out the Son of God and saying, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. How does he do it? How does he do it? Filled, filled with the Holy Ghost. But then, it's a wonderful thing. You read of his mother filled with the Holy Ghost when she came into the presence of her cousin, uh, Mary, Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, as she said, the babe has leaped in my womb for joy because there is Christ formed in the womb of Mary and John leaps, an unborn child, he leaps for joy. Telling you something, and I'm digressing slightly here, but telling you something, a child in the womb is capable of feeling. John the Baptist had feelings of joy. Doesn't that tell you how wrong abortion is, killing the unborn child in the womb? That child is capable of feeling. John the Baptist, he was rejoicing in his mother's womb. But I'm coming to Elizabeth. Elizabeth, she was filled with the Holy Ghost and she spoke out the praises of the Lord. And won't you do that? Won't you do that? You feel, oh, how blessed I am. I have to speak of the Lord. I have to tell others of all that the Lord has done for me. I cannot be dumb. I cannot be silent when I'm filled with the Spirit of God. And then there's a third member of that family, Zacharias, John's father. When at first he was told that his wife was going to have a child, he, he, he just couldn't take it in. His wife was past the age, humanly speaking, of childbearing. There's not going to be any children. They have long prayed for children. They've long been disappointed. It's not going to happen. And then the angel appears and says to him, Zacharias, your wife's going to have a child. She's going to have a son. You're going to call his name John. And he, he's dumbstruck. And he's literally dumbstruck because of unbelief. And then when it comes to the naming of the boy, what are we going to call him? And all the friends gathered around. His mother says his name should be John. And the neighbors say, but there's none of your family called by that name. Uh, and they say, call him Zacharias. Uh, it's the same name as his father. Carry on the name. And they turned to Zacharias and they said, what name do you want for this child? Uh, and he asks for a writing tablet and he writes on it, his name is John. And immediately, immediately, his, his tongue was unloosed, we might say. The dumbness was removed and he was filled, filled with the Holy Ghost. And he spoke out concerning the child going before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. And he spoke of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who would come and the one who would be the savior of his people. There's a whole family 
John, his mother Elizabeth, his father Zacharias, all saved, all filled with the Spirit of God. Wouldn't that be lovely in all our families? Wouldn't it be something to cherish? Father, mother, son, daughter, grandchildren, walking with God saved, but, but not, not just jogging along at a low level, but full of the matter, full of the Lord, full of his praise, full of his presence, full of the Holy Spirit. And of course, in the New Testament, you read of Peter, you read of John, you read of Paul, all filled with the Spirit of God. But there's someone even greater, someone greater than all, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. For we're told concerning him, for whom the Father has sent, speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. Christ was filled at all times with the Holy Spirit, at all times. You know, in our school in Kilkeel, and I know Mrs. Simpson, she knows that the school and the work there, but in our school in Kilkeel, we had a young man, he's now grown up, he's married, has a family of his own, but he was an excellent carpenter or joiner, I'm not sure of the term you use here, and he finished third in the UK Apprentice of the Year, and I think he also finished third in the European Apprentice of the Year. He was taught uh, his skills uh, by one of the elders in the church who was teaching at the same time in the school. Now, that man made a desk for the minister's room uh, in Kilkeel. When I was visiting there uh, recently, uh, one of the elders brought me in to show this desk to me. It is a work of art, done brilliantly, done very skillfully. And I thought of that when I thought of Christ, because Christ worked for 30 years, or at least most of 30 years from he was old enough to be in the at the carpenter's shop, for the best part of 30 years, Christ worked in the carpenter's shop of Joseph, his adopted father. And I've been talking about a work of art. Everything that Christ did was a work of art, done with the utmost skill, with the utmost dedication, done with love overflowing to his Father in heaven, done with love and dedication to his mother and to Joseph, done when it was done for other people, done so that it might be a witness to them. He was full. He was full of the Spirit of God, working with his hands, secular work. And then, of course, when he entered upon his public ministry, his preaching, it was with power. The people noted it was with authority and not as the scribes. Yes, they could rattle on and talk about this, talk about that, maybe give some explanation of some scripture. But Christ, he brought out the full meaning. meaning. He brought out the power of that scripture. He applied it. He fixed it on the hearts of the people. When he performed a miracle, that miracle was a mighty change 
uh, that was wrought in the person on whom it was wrought. It was done to the glory of God. It was done with love to God. It was done with love to the person that he healed. Everything he did was done in full surrender to the Father. And of course, of course, his work on Calvary was in pure love, full of the Holy Spirit. He went to the cross, full of the Holy Spirit. He surrendered himself to the Jewish leaders, full of the Holy Spirit. He bore the contradiction of sinners against himself. And full of the Holy Spirit, he cried out, Father, into thy hands, I commend my spirit. And full of the Holy Spirit, he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. What a person. What a person. We should be seeking to follow in his steps. And you'll see something at Bezalel, as I've indicated. He was perfectly qualified for the task he had to perform, or all the tasks he had to perform, filled with the Holy Spirit. That work was intricate. intricate. It was many-sided. It had to be done in exact accordance with God's instructions. According to Exodus 25, 40, Moses was told, Look, that I make them after their pattern, which was showed thee in the mount. He was a good leader to instruct others, and he was a good disciple, because Moses gave him direction, and he followed those directions to the very letter. You see, you'll be a good listener. You'll be a good servant, as I've indicated. You'll be submissive. You'll learn, and then you'll be able to teach others. That's what we need to be like. If we are, we will be exemplary workers. If you have an employer, he'll say, I'm very pleased with the work you do. If you are an employee, I think it's an employer, if you're an employer, you'll be kind, you'll be gracious, and people will want to work for you. And uh, we will be far more content when we're filled with the Spirit. We'll be far easier to work with. There's some people are hard to work with. And you, you, you can just put a finger on the problem. Either they're not saved, or if they are saved, they're not walking with God. And you can say this, they're not filled with the Spirit of God. And of course, the person that is filled with the Spirit of God gets the job done. Gets the job done. You can read in Exodus 35 and you'll see the task was completed. And you look and you see that tabernacle erected and every detail is finished, finished to perfection. Why is it done so well? Because it's done through the infilling of the Spirit of God. And God is so pleased he comes down in all his glory and he fills, he fills that tabernacle and the priests, because the glory is so great, they have to move out temporarily. You think if your temple, the temple of your body, is filled with the Spirit of God, how pleased, how pleased the Lord is to dwell with you, to have fellowship with you to give you peace, to fill you with love, to fill you with joy, to use you. 
even in a sense, to point you out to other people as the father pointed his son out. He said on two different occasions, this, look at him. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Could God point you out and say, could he point me out and say, here's my child. I'm well pleased with him. I'm well pleased with her. They have surrendered their life to me. They have sought my grace, my blessing. They have sought to be filled day by day with my spirit. And they're living a life that is a witness. And they're speaking for me. And I'm using them in my service for my glory. And there's a great blessing in all of this. The work was done as it should be done, just as Christ's work was done, as it should be done. That's why he was able to say, it's finished. There's nothing left that needs to be done. And we find in Exodus 35 that Moses blessed Bezalel and the others who worked with him. How much greater, I say to you, is the blessing of God. And how sweet to hear from the Lord those two words at the end of the journey. Well done. I was reading many years ago, not many, but quite a number of years ago, the words of a football manager. You call them soccer managers here. And he's not a man that I would respect, an uncouth man, but he was very successful. And, and he made the comment, he made the comment that the two words that were most gratifying for players to hear were these two words, well done. Say to a player, well done. That was praise from the manager. Well, we don't want his praise. We want the Lord to say to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So see then the need. Seek the infilling of the Holy Spirit for every aspect of your life. And if you're not saved, seek something else. The Bible says, seek ye the Lord while he is near. Call upon him while he is to Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Seek him. And then when you've sought him and found him, seek to walk in his ways in the power of his spirit. Let's bow in prayer. Father in heaven, we pray that thou would apply thy truth to my heart. Apply thy truth to every heart. May we seek by thy grace to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Forgive us, Lord, for our emptiness. Forgive us for our coldness. Forgive us for our laziness. Forgive us, Lord, for every sin. Cleanse us through and through. For Christ our Saviour's sake. Amen. We're going to sing the doxology. I indicated to you different times that I'd like to close the morning service with the doxology. It's just before the first hymn. So it's opposite page to hymn one. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son and Holy Ghost.
our gracious God, we pray that thou wilt dismiss us with thy blessing. May we desire God. May we desire thy presence. May we desire thy fullness. And may those who know thee not desire Christ to be their saviour. Be with us as we leave. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>